everybody welcome back to the quiet reformation this is our summer bonus episode number two hope everybody's having a great summer hey everybody glad to be on good to be hanging out with you justin online here um and just to just to recall to our listeners um and to you we were sharing some awkward pastor stories at the front part of this episode and you're on deck now tim more so the awkward things you just misstepped said something wrong did something wrong something happened to you i don't know what's what's the story that comes to mind for you justin has known me for a long time in fact when justin was yet a wee lad uh i was on staff at the church that he was at he had just recently come to christ and i would imagine that if uh he wanted to he could tell some stories about my pastoral fails so i'm happy that uh justin has afforded me the freedom to be in control of my own narrative today. And uh, I have a few just terribly embarrassing moments. Uh, One of them, I remember I was speaking at a conference and it was a pretty big conference and I was young in ministry. This is one of the first times that I'd spoken at like a conference and um, I was looking around the room. It was actually in uh, sort of a a stadium and I had this short spot in the middle of the conference to speak and I got up and I had like really been thinking it through and praying through it and crafting and crafting everything that, uh, I was going to be saying. And, um, I get up and just felt the spirit of God with me, you know, and it was there and I was speaking. It was in the time frame it needed to be. Everything seemed to work. I came down, got off the stage. Somebody was like, hey, great job, you know. And I looked down and my fly was wide open. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, it was terrible. Did you get any like side glances where like people didn't want to mention it, but you knew that they knew? Or was there any did anybody say anything? <laughs> yeah. I, well, the funny thing was I was hypersensitive to it. So I was seeing it in everyone. You know what I mean? Like I assumed that every look meant that. And I, well, the first thing is I came off the stage and there's people there. So I'm like trying to find a way to get private so <laughs> yes. I can actually like zip up. Yeah. And, uh, oh I, it, I, then it was also like, I, there was a video recap that came out. And I, <laughs> oh, good. And I, I noticed that it was definitely chest up for me. Really? <laughs> you know, zoomed in, you know, <laughs> there's oh no, shot other than that one of the things i wanted to ask you tim and kind of setting up this interview we're going to get to is that um we we know that integrity is such an essential part of the pastoral ministry and we've also seen you know it's always been around but maybe the past five ten years especially there's been just so many leaders that have publicly failed sexually financially abuse cases whatever. And so like being a minister, there's this, this high standard of integrity that I think is legitimate. Um, and yet pastors wrestle with sin like everybody else. So I don't know, what are your thoughts on how do we hold the integrity of the ministry and our call, not only to ministry, ministry, but to Christ without becoming self-righteous on one hand, or just, just deceitful you know, where it's just like, we're just completely hiding it. This comes down to me. There's so many principles in the scripture. Um, And so we discernment is about prioritizing which principles are most important in which situation for this context. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, when we talk about 
integrity in the church, um, our natural inclination, at least for me, and I think for many people is this is about humans working hard to being good at being good. And, and that's really about a sowing and reaping principle um, that if you live this way, you'll have these fruits. So if you sow according to the flesh, you'll have the flesh reap corruption, mm-hmm. right? As opposed to if you sow according to the spirit, you'll have the spirit reap eternal life. Um, but the thing is, sowing into the spirit has to do with I'm investing into Christ. Think about the if we're if he's the vine and we're the branch, sowing into the spirit means I'm investing into staying connected with Jesus. That's what sowing into the spirit is. I'm connecting with him. But sowing into the flesh is I'm investing in finding what I need everywhere else. Right. And part of that means as a as a Christian leader, um, it can be sowing into the applause of people, sowing into uh, you know, getting the numbers that I'm looking for, or sowing into uh, having that kind of knowledge or that degree or whatever. And I can become really obsessed with all the exterior measurements that make me feel like I'm doing something well. That does not typically result in me being a more righteous person. And even if my primary objective is I just want to live a life of integrity and righteousness, there's a whole lot in the scriptures about what it looks like when we try really hard to be righteous, including the story of the rich young ruler, including all of Romans chapter seven and you know yeah. uh, so many other passages. But underneath of that principle of sowing and reaping is a much more core principle to the Christian faith. And that principle is the principle of grace. Hmm. And, and we as Christians and as leaders only grow in our maturity by leaning deeply into the principle of grace. And so, you know, Richard Foster has uh, that phrase that has continued to speak to me over the years that Christians run through grace the way a jet runs through rocket fuel at takeoff, you know, that we just live by grace. Grace isn't that moment of, okay, I confessed my sins. I received forgiveness. I'm good. No, everything we're doing is by grace. And the moment we get sowing and reaping as a principle that's deeper than grace is when we've compromised the foundation of our Christian faith. And we've started to depend on ourselves and our own ability to, uh, perform with integrity to see fruit by our effort and the sowing and reaping principle is essential but it's only essential when it's built on top of the principle of grace and once i understand i'm in this relationship with god completely out of his mercy and his grace then sowing in the spirit has to do with I'm going to be really confessional today. I'm going to say, this is what I'm struggling with. I'm going to be open with my board or open with my spouse or open with whoever. And the sowing becomes honesty and confession. And sometimes that costs us because sometimes we've gotten into stuff that, you know, to be honest, it means that we're in a place of compromise and we need to deal with it. The sooner that our sowing into the spirit by receiving the grace of God and being confessional is enacted the quicker we can get back to the place of health and integrity. And I think so often we're in a place where uh, we've put the sowing and reaping in front of, and so we try to compensate uh, uh, for for grace by over uh, performing. And that puts us in a place where we tend to compromise our integrity. Yeah. yeah. And the story we're about to hear is a grace-filled story, even though it has so many hard things. So with that, let's jump into um, the interview with Luis. 
today. Our guest is Luis Miro, and we are uh, excited to have his story here because it's an, an important story for us to hear. Luis is uh, a local pastor in the area uh, where I'm from as well, and he and I have had some great interactions interpersonally, but also in ministry together, being able to do some serve serving together in our area with the local schools and uh, have just watched the hand of God at work in our area. And as we've gotten to know each other um, a little bit more, uh, we have gotten to share some story. And as I listen to the story that he has to share for us today, I realized, oh man, this is a story that many of us need to hear because uh, it brings glory to God, but it also has the capacity to strengthen each of us, especially those of us who are in ministry with the reality of how God has us and, and dealing with the reality of the struggles that we face and how we walk through them and what that looks like. And so uh, my, uh, my friend, my fellow pastor, Luis is here and uh, glad to have you on with us, brother. Thanks for joining us. Thank you so much, Tim, for having me uh, come today. And uh, before we get um, started, um, I do want to say that um, my story, our story, is really God's story. It's a story of his redemption, of his grace, of his restoration, of his power. Nothing that um, I have done or none of us have done, right? And, um, and so I just look forward to uh, unpacking his story. And uh, I do want to begin by saying... I'm married to my lovely Sicilian wife, Priscilla. And so because I am Puerto Rican, our two sons have Sicilian blood running in them and Puerto Rican blood running in them, i.e. that equals fire, fuego. (laughs) Right. (laughs) So when they get upset, they get upset, Tim. Anyway, <laughs> yo, they're not, they're no joke either. No, uh, Hondro, Hondro was just in my car the other day. I was like, this is a big boy right here. He's a football player. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, he's passionately angry, passionately happy, just passionately everything. But, um, but yeah, so Alejandro and Lorenzo are two boys. Uh, this past May, actually, May 30th, marked five years where, um, I sat uh, on the deck of our home in Lynn, Massachusetts. We have now been living in Pennsylvania, Pottstown, for four years now. But uh, so anyway, so five years ago, sat in um, the deck, and I sent out uh, an email to the staff of the church where I pastored, the board members, uh, family, close friends, the uh, the head uh, the head office the, the of the denomination, the Assemblies of God, um, confessing, confessing to a secretive. Uh, addiction to opioids um, after uh, a back surgery. And um, I started taking one, two, three, and it continued. I continued. And um, I, I knew that it was getting out of control, but I was too prideful, quite honestly, to uh, to cry out for help. And um, I was too prideful. I was scared that I would lose my church as if it was my church to begin with. I was too prideful, too scared to lose my people as if they were my people, um, my city, right? It was all these my, me, me, my, and it's all grounded in pride. It was I, I, I. And um, finally, it just got out of control. Um, and I would actually step up to the 
to the platform to preach. And in my heart, I would cry out, um, God, please don't strike me dead today in front of my family, in front of the people, even though he could have. And so, um, but I finally got sick and tired of sick of getting sick and tired, as they say. And in my confession, I said, I'm heading to the uh, local detox. When I arrived at the detox, they said, you know, do you feel suicidal? And I said, yeah, I, I, quite frankly, I do. Well, I learned right away that once you say, I do feel like I want to commit suicide, uh, you get treated a lot different. All of a sudden, I got whisked away uh, into the top floor, um, locked in. And here I was in the psych ward. And uh, I remember waking up in the psych ward um, the next day, and we had like a group session. And I remember in that group session, uh, I knew this person that was in the psych ward, um, a resident, not a staff member. And she raised her hand and she said, hey, are you Pastor Luis from Grace City Church? And I was like, no way. I am not him. Um, there's, you know, everybody has a twin in the world, right, Tim? You know, if people looked at, if people saw your picture and my picture, they would probably think, oh, yeah, Tim and Luis, they're probably twins, right? Because we yeah, doppelgangers. Like, yeah, right? just anyway, um, And so I lied my way through and denied it 100%. And I remember going to bed that night and a still voice, not a big voice, um, in my heart saying, the lies stop here. And I remember that vividly. The lies stop here. Yeah. And so the next day, uh, it was group again. And uh, I confessed and uh, to Carmen saying, yeah, I am he. And um, from there, went on to rehab and went on through the restoration process. Um, and by the grace of God, um, got my credentials back. But it was, it's been a long road. And it's still a long road. When you were on the front end of this thing, before you know, you got heavy into the uh, addiction. You didn't have your sights set on being in a psych ward. That wasn't your goal. Not right? even close. I, no. Yeah. Yeah. No. So, so uh, you know, there's there's so many in ministry who you know, um, you know, walk in the fine line. Um, and uh, first of all, where do you think all of this for you? You had a back surgery, right? What happens in that moment as you reflect back and you're sitting in a psych ward and you're saying, how did I end up here? How did I end up here? At that time, you can't really answer those kind of questions yeah. because there's the spider webs are thick. Yeah. And so it wasn't until maybe seven months, eight months out, I began to accept the fact that um, pride got me there. That's how I got there. Pride. Tim. So this is interesting because, I mean, uh, we, we, this is something we all struggle with, right? Is we mm -hmm. all struggle with pride. You had pride that also uh, coincided with a back surgery that also coincided with a developed addiction. And then that pride kept it covered. But for some, uh, we're able to uh, maintain pride in a way that hasn't come and undercut us yet because, uh, you know, it's yet. still kind of, yeah, exactly. So can you, um, can you speak to, uh, just, I, I want to unpack the, the, the story more because uh, I want the Lord to get 
all the glory in this thing. This is what you're you're on here for is to tell the glory of God, uh, the story of the glory of God. But even now, for our pastors who are listening, you know, there's a there's a pastor who's listening right now who's thinking about that thing. Like when you got on stage and you you would say, "Lord, don't strike me down," because I feel this internal sense of tension in my soul. Right now, Luis, what what would you say to that pastor who's feeling that right now? The the lady that had the issue of blood, we all know that story. Uh, It was costing her life. And she thought to herself, you know, she touched the hem. Scripture says immediately she was healed, but there was something different. And it wasn't until she came forward and told the whole truth and nothing but the truth that she became whole. And um, the problem for me and uh, if you're listening, uh, for us, is that we could go along doing ministry healed, but it's not until we experience being made whole, that's when hmm. pride gets knocked down because it doesn't matter. It was me, God. I'm the one. Um, it doesn't, I don't care what you think of me. I don't care what, um, Tim, when they, when I went through the restoration process, uh, for pastors, they, you know, I I would always say if they were to ask me to bark like a dog, which they didn't, I would say, what kind of dog would you like me to bark as? Because I will study that bark and I will sound just because I was just desperate. Um, right. The, the man by the, the pool of Bethesda, right. He's laying there, all excuses, all excuses. Jesus came by. Do you want to get well? And for those pastors that are listening, the question is, do you want to get well now Mm. going about that process? It's tough. It's it's, there's no, there's no, (laughs) there's no, uh, being around the bush on that one, Tim, the process is hard. The journey is hard. Um, but how badly do you want it? I, you know, there's two, when, when you were first telling me this story, when we were at that Starbucks and you were sharing this story with me, uh, two things that stood out that moment when you're, you're sitting on the deck and you have the computer. And I think I asked you then the moment where you're looking at the send button, the cursor is resting on send Mm. and your finger just has to push down. And you know that this little tiny motor skill right here has untold power at this point to change everything. And, uh, and the second moment that I think was really important in, in even in the, the micro version of the story that you've told so far is this, this moment when you tell this woman, no, that's not me, it's my twin or whatever. And then there's this moment, you in the spirit of God, in this hospital, the lies stop here because that's, again, you're saying I could be healed, but what does it mean to be whole in that moment? You have to continue a journey that goes even deeper. It's like, I already went this far to undo my life. Now it's like, now you're just hitting me where it hurts right now. You're so, uh, in those moments, where do you find the courage to push send? Where do you find, uh, where, what was it inside of you that says the lies stop here? Where, where is God 
active inside of you in those moments? And what are you feeling? And what are you thinking? And what's happening for you in those moments? For me, it went back to answering the call of God in my life. Mm-hmm. Knowing, a friend of mine says, you know it in your brain, but you have to know it in your knower, meaning your heart. And in my heart, I knew that I was called for more than this, meaning this, the situation that I was in, right? I just, I knew it. And so um, God was, in his grace, was wooing me back to himself to hit the send. His kindness, knowing his knowing what I've been doing for the last almost a year, living this dual life, his kindness. I I did not die. I did not overdose. I did not get arrested. What a scandal that would have been. His kindness. Um, I did not commit suicide. His kindness. I just kept on sensing his kindness over and over again. That led me to repent, or in this case, led me to press the send button on that email. It was his wow. kindness. It was his kindness laying in that bed in that psych ward that night in his suite, not in a condemning way, just saying, Luis, the lies stop now. Come on. The lies stop his kindness. Once again, not you crazy, you dummy, you, you know, what did you do? You lost it all. What? No, it was his kindness. I will help you. I will uh, walk you through this journey. My kindness. Once again, um, that's, that's the answer for me. Luis, thank you so much. Cause I, this just resonates, Justin. I don't know if you remember, uh, in our, in our conversation with Terry Davis, um, in the podcast, we, uh, uh, had a little while ago, he talked about his the, the thing that he finds most important in the journey with Christ is the ongoing repentance. And he's like, and, and, and the line that just stood out to us is he says, not for shame, no, not for guilt. That's not the idea of repentance. It's so that our hearts can be fully aligned with God. Like he, we want to have yes. that intimacy with God. We want to be back home. We want to yes. be connected. We want to be there. And, you know, I, and I just want to say this because I think this is really important to our listeners is, you know, I've been around Luis just enough to know this, that he's a very gifted pastor, that he's got a lot of gifts inside of him and that, that those gifts are things that people, when people see our gifts, people applaud our gifts. They appreciate our gifts. And so the whole pride factor that Luis is talking about, when we have gifts, it's easy to to, uh, start to experience what we at Metzer consistently uh, call performance-based legitimacy or performance-based significance, where we feel good because we're doing things that are helping people and we're getting that sort of affirmation. But sometimes there's these parts of us that can grow really distant from God in the middle of that. Our gifts can continue to function and people can continue to be blessed, but the internal parts of us are growing less connected to Christ. And what we hear from our brother right now is all the gifts keep functioning. He's still getting on the stage and doing what he's doing, but underneath of it, there was a desire to be with Christ, to be close again. And that yes. that's the courage to push the button. That's the courage right there. Interesting you say this, Tim, that 
on the reverse, I, I'd long to get on the stage to do this, to do X, Y, Z. Now, respectfully, I just don't care. I want to yeah. keep it, keep it G rated G because I, <laughs> frankly, <laughs> frankly, my dear. And, and I mean that yeah. because now it just doesn't, it just doesn't matter anymore. Yeah. Yeah. And unfortunately I had to get to that point of losing everything and everyone starting from scratch Yeah, to get to the point of, you know what? Yeah, if I ever and 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 Tim, may I say this? The process, the restoration process that I volunteer that I, you know, you willfully step into, it was known from the beginning. I'm not doing it for credentials to get my credentials back. I'm doing it because it's the right thing to do. Come on. The credentials, but getting my credentials, that was yeah, that was bonus. But I I wasn't seeking a position at Connection Church. I was happy just being. John Smith, in and yeah. out, no problem. You know, yeah. hey, I've been there, done that. It's not that pretty. Everybody, you know. Yeah. Well, and this is so important because, I mean, you were saying earlier that the call of God on your life was clear. And that call, I mean, you clearly have a call to ministry. You clearly have a call to, to lead people, to, to preach the word, all of that. But the, the primary call here that was driving you forward was a call to Christ. Yes, it was sir. a call to Jesus. Yes. And 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 anybody who's hanging out with you can learn pretty quickly at this stage. I don't know what it was like knowing you back then. What I know is knowing you right now, that as soon as I got to know you, I'm like, this is a guy who wants to be with Jesus. Yes. He just wants to be with Jesus. Amen. And uh, for, the, for those of us who are in ministry, again, who are listening to this right now, and we don't have to be in ministry. I mean, whatever it is that, that uh, there is that tension to not come to terms with the reality of some stuff that we're dealing with because we want to keep up a certain image or a certain appearance or a certain capacity to be able to keep the the, the plate spinning, all of that. And underneath of it, there is a gentle whisper mm. from a savior who loves us. And oh, our brother yeah. Luis is calling that kindness. And the scriptures tell us that it is that kindness that leads us to repentance. Yes, and um, and so uh, it's an incredible, it's an incredible thing. So, um, brother, I first of all, the fact that you're willing to get on the podcast and share this. Why are you willing to get on the podcast and share this? Because I want specifically pastors, leaders, um, to get to the point of their longing for Jesus, not the people, not the building, not the accolades. Uh, not the bells and whistles um, to get uh, to just experience Jesus beyond the pulpit. Right. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. What happens when the church closed down and uh, you know, we've, we experienced that not so long ago during the COVID shutdown, but what happens when it's all stripped away? Is there any part of you that regrets hit and send? No, not listen, but Priscilla and I, we talk about it often. We have an open communication when it comes down to this to say, we don't wish this on anyone, but um, it was the best decision I've ever made in my life, other than accepting Jesus uh, as my Lord and Savior. And my wife will tell you, Priscilla will tell you that it's the best decision that she has seen me make. Why? Because our family is whole now. Our lives mm. are whole. 
So your family life now is better than it was before. Oh my goodness. Our marriage. It, yeah. It's, it's amazing. It's amazing. My boys, um, my oldest son, uh, recently, uh, uh, this last year, the school where he attends, um, CCS, they asked, uh, for me to go, uh, you know, do chapel. And I asked Alejandro, Alejandro, what, you know, what, what, what would you like, what, what do you think I should share with the students? And he said, share your story, Poppy. I says, are you, are you sure Alejandro? He says, yeah, share your story. It's God's story. And Poppy, I'm proud of you. What, man? Listen, yeah, it's just, yeah. it's just good. It's just good. Accepting Christ, great decision. Push and send, great decision. Oh. It sounds like uh, Mary and Priscilla was a pretty good decision, bro. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes, yes. Walking through this with you, you guys weathered the storm. It was incredible, and yeah, uh, I we know your family enough to know um, just how how beautiful it is to watch a family who not only loves the Lord, but who's walked through the war together with the mm. Lord and with mm. one another. Yes. And uh, there's a seasoned, a deep seasoned grace uh, in your mm. family that comes through all of you. And it's a beautiful thing for, the, for those who are listening again today. All of us who are listening have something to hear today. All of us. We may or may not be struggling with a, a, you know, a secret hidden addiction or, or anything of that nature, but all of us deal with pride. Yes. All of us have the questions where we're saying, should we be honest in this moment or not? Mm. All mm. of us deal with that. All of us have that, that struggle of, do I keep it real right now or not? Mm. Um, and do I ask for help right now or not? Um, and so with that said, um, I, I just, I, I want to say to our listeners that knowing this man right now and watching him smile and watching the grace that he operates with that, man, I wish that we would have such a more inviting culture for the act of confession and repentance, mm -hmm. because it's obvious that it's a good and healing yes. uh, and awesome process. And this is the story Amen. of a God who's ready and welcome with open yes. arms Amen. to embrace all of that. So, uh, Luis, we really, really, really appreciate you being willing to share a story with us. What we'd Thank love Jesus. for you to do at this point is to take time to pray yes. for our listeners and for you know the pastors that, that we serve across the region, but also uh, just anyone who is resonating with your story right now. Would you take a minute and just pray for those listening, please? Lord, thank you. Thank you that once again, as we've talked about, that it's your kindness that leads us to repentance. And Lord, we pray for those that are listening right now. Lord, I pray that they would sense your kindness. Lord, that your kindness would draw them back to you, Jesus. And Lord, uh, scripture teaches us that we are to confess our faults one to another, pray for one another, that we may be healed. Yes. And I pray for that listener right now that is struggling, whether or not to keep it 100 with someone. Lord, I pray that they would find that accountability partner, that they would find that someone to, um, to just reach out and get help. Lord, we pray for mm. that pastor that's struggling, Lord, in his or her identity uh, that is rooted in the, in the title in the stuff. Lord, I pray against that in the name of Jesus. Lord, I pray against the lies 
of the enemy, that um, they will be destroyed, that they would lose everything. Lord, that's a lie from the pit of hell. And we pray against that in the name of Jesus. Jesus. Lord, um, actually, when we confess, Lord, you're ready to release a bucket full of grace. Thank you, Jesus. And I pray in the name of Jesus that today would be the day that would mark in their calendar when they press send. Yes, God. We thank you for this time, Jesus, in your name. Amen. Luis, thank you. Thank you for your time with us today to our listeners. Whatever it is that needs to come out today, whatever it is you need to share. One of the things we learn early in ministry that I learned early in ministry is the shorter we keep accounts, the less we have to worry about. The repentance is a daily thing, right? So uh, we, one of the uh, things that we try to put in place in, in our family, I can't say we've been perfectly faithful in this, uh, but we have a, a weekly moment of repentance, a weekly moment of confession where we think back through our week and say, are there things that we got to get right with each other? Are there things? And it's just a checkpoint to remind us this is a space that we can be open. And for most of many in, in evangelical Christianity, uh, we've kind of lost the confession booth and many have lost within the service, even the moment of the prayer of confession mm-hmm. um, for those who don't walk in, in the liturgy. Um, and so this is an important reminder that we don't just walk triumphantly through this life. We walk as those who are aware that we're broken people and part of what it, how we get into the covenant of Christ is by confessing that we aren't capable. The way we stay connected with Christ is by continuing to remember how much we need Christ. And a huge part of that is confession. So uh, yeah, just the encouragement today, God's got you, he sees you and, uh, and you're a part of it. Luis, thanks so much for joining Thank us. You. It's been Thank awesome. You, Tim.